Hi, this is Joe Feeks, editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Ryan Snyder. He is a grad student in the pathobiology department at the University of Guelph. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Um, coccidiosis is always the biggest concern of poultry producers. One estimate that was published a few years ago said that worldwide probably cost producers more than $3 billion a year. Now, you've been looking at the metagenomics and high throughput DNA sequencing uh, to evaluate coccidiosis control programs. Um, those are big words before we even get into the results. Tell us exactly what, when we're talking about metagenomics, yeah. what specifically are they? So uh, we're going to be using high throughput DNA sequencing. So that's going to take uh, a, a segment of DNA that's uh, not too long, it's about uh, 800 base pairs, and then we're going to run that through a program and it'll give us thousands of reads per sample. And so that'll allow us to identify the species because there's several different species that cause coccidiosis. And so we can now, uh, well, what the hope is with this technology, we can say there's this proportion of this species, this proportion of this species. So it's using uh, molecular techniques rather than the uh, morpho morphologic techniques that uh, we normally use, or the diagnostics, such as the gross lesions, to uh, identify the species. And why is that so important? Because generally in broilers, if you have coccidiosis, you know, there are four or five major ones, and usually all of them are at work That's at right. some point, right? Yes, and but we're not quite sure about who's uh, cycling at what time, mm -hmm. right? So maybe the more common species come up and they cycle earlier on, and it's the less common species that come up and give us problems later that we don't really realize based on just uh, the performance and looking at the oocysts. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are some species that have more pathogenic uh, responses on the bird. We, uh, we want to know which those species are and who's giving the problems, right? So the one species is Imeria maxima, and that's the one that leads to necrotic enteritis. So if we can tell that that one's in good shape, we will reduce the risk of necrotic enteritis, but the Imeria acervalina will take off a few hit points, and Imeria tenel will cause mortality. So knowing which species are there and as they're cycling, uh, it'll be important for us to understand. Now specifically, you use this technology not just to figure out what parasites are out there, but to really fine-tune control programs. That's right, yes. Tell us about that. So what we hope we can do is uh, use this, the answers that we get from this and say, okay, you've got good cycling with these species, but maybe we need to increase the, the vaccine dosage on this species, or maybe this drug is only working on this species, but not the others. And so as there's different levels of resistance to each of the species, maybe we need to fine-tune our medication programs, or we need to fine-tune our vaccines, uh, as the cycling results come back through. So what kind of results did you see in your study? What did you learn? So far, we're still waiting to get back the DNA sequencing results, but I looked at 40 different farms, and some of those farms had multiple flocks. Uh, about half of the flocks were on the vaccine, the other half were on uh, an anticoccidial. We saw a very consistent uh, coccidiosis control in the vaccine group. The uh, OSIS program, we took feces on a weekly basis from 7, 14, 21, 28, 35 days, and it gave a very nice curve. And so it, it shows the immunity is being developed by 21 days. How is the vaccine administered? It's ad administered in the hatchery, either through a coarse spray or a gel. So okay. there's uh, two products that are in Canada right now, and it's uh, either one or the other. Okay. So, uh, In contrast to the vaccinated group, the medicated group was extremely variable. Now. There was a lot of uh, differences between the program, the drug programs that were used, 
the farms were not selected based on uh, feed mill or hatchery. This was a across the board look. And the results came back extremely variable where we had some farms peaking multiple times higher than the vaccine group in total. So mm -hmm. most of the vaccine groups would peak around uh, day 21 with about 100,000, maybe 150,000 OSIS per gram. To put that in perspective with the, uh, sorry, the medicated group, they were uh, peaking in the 500,000, 700,000. There was few of the farms that were like that a lot, but then there's farms who had very good control. They had no OSIS shedding the entire time. So we could kind of see a trend happening where there's medicated farms that had very good control, moderate control, and very poor control. Now this is somewhat surprising though, because you know I've always heard that when vaccines, when everything is perfect and they're properly administered and you get good distribution, Vaccines are great, especially if you don't have too much pressure. Um, but then a lot of people don't want to use them because they say they're so darn inconsistent. Um, now, your trial, it looks like the vaccine is, is the, the best choice to use. Yes, and I guess we have to separate. Uh, it was very good coxiosis control, mm -hmm. but those farms had no antibiotics in the feed. So they had other issues such mm -hmm. as uh, higher mortality rates. So, the coxie okay. was under control, but it was the enteritis that still was uh, not quite as, as pretty. So yeah, if you were to look at the performance data, the vaccine group does appear to have a reduced performance or a weaker performance, okay. uh, but from the coxidiosis side of it, they had a better control. So what do we learn about the medications? I'm assuming that you use both ionophores and also the yes. non-ionophore medications. That's right. It, it was a mixed bag of farms that were using it. It basically goes to show that there's a lot of variability out there. I, I personally think it might have to do with uh, the, the history of usage on each farm and what they were ha that happened to be using at the flock that I was visiting. So this is one of the first times that it's being reported the level of resistance in southern Ontario, which is where I was sampling. So the, the industry, at least locally there and even in the U.S. here, it's uh, interesting to know at what level of resistance currently exists to which medications. Now, just the o OSIS per gram counts uh, doesn't tell us the level of resistance exactly. We would have to test mm -hmm. that in a laboratory through live birds, but it, it does give us an indication saying there is a reduced uh, level of control here with these products. As part of the study, did you look at any bio shuttle programs where they're started on a vaccine and then you follow up maybe with one of the uh, ionophores or non-ionophore products? Uh, I hadn't, so I sampled last summer and in the winter. I actually just had a, a flock that I sampled a, a couple of weeks ago and they were on a bioshuttle program, they're the first one. Uh, I don't have those results uh, quite done yet, so um, no, it, it was either uh, vaccine or medication, there was no uh, bioshuttle. So in summary, the vaccinated groups showed really good coccidiosis control, That's but right. We're hurting from enteritis, had higher mortality right. rates than the medicated groups. Yes. Um, so what are the takeaway messages for producers? Probably the take-home message I'd say is that we have to keep monitoring this disease. It's not going away yet. You know, we've had a good, uh, good run with the last 50 years of all the drugs that we've had. So I think there's going to be a lot more work coming up over the next while to, to check the level of resistance in your barn, if it's worth to switch to a vaccine program or a bioshuttle program. And I think, uh, you know, over the next little while we're going to be you know, solving those answers, but it might be on an individual farm basis because like I said, there are some farms who had very good control and maybe they're okay to keep on track for the, the time being. But if we look 
five years, 10 years down the line, they might be in the same situation as the other farmers, especially uh, as things uh, move around, right? And in biosecurity um, practices, sometimes things leak through, right? Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say as the whole uh, removal of antibiotics goes forward, we're gonna have to learn to live without the antibiotics and, and controlling for coccidiosis will help control necrotic enteritis. So uh, I think that's kind of an important part for poultry production as well. And if producers wanna do what you did and really get a better handle on you know, what's in their barn and which products they should be piecing together in their program, uh, what should they do? Can they send samples in? Does your group test for them? How does it work? Yeah, so right now, yeah, locally, I, uh, I started giving farmers kits and they can collect on their own now rather than me having to drive out. And um, I give them a preservative, they collect all five samples and then they ship them into me. I take care of the analysis and then uh, I give them back their results as well as where they fit, fit in with everybody else. So it's, it's easy to look at a, an OPG count and say, or OSIS program count and say, this looks good, this looks bad, but it's, it's a lot harder if you don't have a comparison to everybody else. Because yeah. so, if you, you hear the number, and if I give a, a number to the farmer, you had 100,000 this time, they might say, oh, that's a huge number. Yeah. But really, when you compare it to a million, two million, which I have seen, it's not so bad. Well, as I said at the top of our discussion, I know coccidiosis is always rated the number one disease in poultry, and I'm sure all producers, both here in North America and worldwide, appreciate your work. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, continuing results from it. Yeah, I'm excited at what we're doing, so uh, I think it'll go great. We have been talking to Ryan Snyder. He is a graduate student in the pathobiology department at the University of Guelph. Ryan, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me.